Hello, fellow foodies, and welcome back. This is Cassandra Quave, your host of Foodie Pharmacology, the science podcast for the food curious. I am so excited about today's episode, and I think that you will be too. Um, this summer, I had the opportunity to travel to Jamaica. It's the beautiful land of wood and water in the Caribbean, and a gorgeous island full of lush forests, clear mountain streams, coffee farms, and sugarcane fields. In addition to being the home to such natural beauty, there are some other very fun things to do in Jamaica, like touring the legendary Appleton Rum Estate. When I went there, I had the chance to taste some deliciously aged rums, and I even got to take the Joy Spence Experience Tour. So you may be wondering, who is Joy Spence and how is she linked to the Appleton Rum Tour? Well, Joy is the first woman to hold the position of master blender in the spirits industry, and she just happens to be the guest on our show today. Hi, Joy. How are you? Hi. Great to be on your show. It's great to be here with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little bit more about your background because I think it's really fascinating because your training really brings in some interesting characteristics from chemistry and, and also taste. So let me, let me share this with everybody um, about your training background. So Joy uh, went to the University of the West Indies she, where she earned a Bachelor of Science with first, on, first class honors. And she spent some years teaching chemistry before moving on to England to pursue a master of science degree in analytical chemistry, one of my personal favorite topics, by the way, <laughs> at the University of Lockborough, and, and, and forgive me if I butcher the name of the university, um, where she also graduated with honors. Joy joined the Appleton Estate as the chief chemist in 1981 and gained the title of Master Blender in 1997 where her remarkable unparalleled sensory skills found their perfect muse. And so during the past 40 plus years, Joy has created some of the finest, most highly awarded rums the world has ever seen, including the Appleton Estate eight-year-old reserve and the Appleton Estate rare blend 12-year-old. Joy created the Appleton Estate Joy anniversary blend which was released in 2017 to mark her 20th anniversary as Appleton's master blender. Joy's hard work and dedication, not only to Appleton, but also to the country of Jamaica and the global rum industry has earned her one of the highest Jamaican civilian commendations possible in 2017. Um, she earned the order of distinction as rank commander which I think is a really cool title. <laughs> In addition to um, two honorary doctorate degrees, a Grand Dame Award for the most influential female in the spirits industry from Tales of the Cocktail, and being named as one of Fortune Magazine's most influential women in food and drink. I mean, and the list of honors goes on and on. But Joy, it's such a pleasure to meet you and speak with you. And it's great to see such an incredible role model um, to women in chemistry. Um, and see what you're doing to really impact flavor in the world. Thank you. Great. So let's start maybe with a bit of the chemistry and work our way to the rum. Um, what can you share with us about how your background in chemistry informs your skills as a master blender? You know, I've developed the passion for chemistry from um, early in high school because of my chemistry teacher. So. I decided that I would pursue a, you know, a degree in chemistry at university. And somehow I thought that I'd probably be in some research laboratory doing 
research work. And it was a sheer accident that I joined Jerry Nevue as the chief chemist. And I am so grateful that that happened to me because I was now able to use my passion for organic chemistry because that's the aspect of chemistry that I really loved and actually most people hate. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> and I was able to, to know, apply that, you know, in my craft, you know, looking at fermentation and the different aspects of fermentation, distillation, and then the beautiful transformation that takes place during the aging process. And what was so exciting for me is the fact that I could also use my sensory skill in my craft, which I never thought I'd be able to use that in my profession. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yes, you're using not only chemistry tools, but also your own kind of organoleptic um, sensory skills. Um, That's amazing. Well, I wonder, Joy, if we could go back to the basics, because I'm not sure that all of our audience actually knows how rum is made. Would you mind walking us through, like, what does it take from start to finish to make Mm -hmm. a really high quality rum? Well, what makes Appleton Estate so unique and different is that we have so many elements working together to create the final complexity in our rum. So it starts with our geographical location. So we're located in this beautiful valley that's surrounded by karst limestone hills. And these hills actually have water flowing through the membranes of the hills from one section to another. And because of this geography, every day at about 2.30, we have daily showers of rain. And so this is perfect for growing the sugar cane because it's always lush green and we do not have to use any form of artificial irrigation. We grow over 10 varieties of sugar cane and these two have an impact on the taste and aroma profile of our rums. We now harvest the sugar cane every 12 months, usually between January to May. And then the sugar cane is sent to a sugar factory where sugar is produced. And then the byproduct is molasses, which is a starting mm-hmm. material for making our rums. To the molasses, now we add water from our natural spring. And that water filtered through those limestone hills upwelling at a cave on our estate. So it has a nice sweet, soft taste, and it too has an impact on the taste and aroma profile of our rums. In addition to that water, we add our specially cultured yeast that has been handed down since the inception of rum making at Appleton Estate. And again, the yeast also creates its own specific flavors. So once we add that beautiful water and the yeast of the molasses, fermentation begins where we convert the sugars in the molasses into alcohol. This is completed between 36 and 48 hours. And now we have fermented molasses that has 7% alcohol. So we now have to find a way to concentrate that 7% to give you your final product, which is rum. And we use distillation to do this. And we use a traditional small batch copper pastel distillation, which goes back to the inception of rum making. And during this process, we are creating nice, bold, complex, very intriguing flavors in our rums. But we also use a more modern method of distillation, the column still method, which produces rums with very light flavors. Now, we can produce several different types of pot still rums, each having their own chemical specification and flavor profile. And we can produce several different types of column still rums, each having their own chemical specification and flavor profiles. Once we distill these, we ship them individually via road tankers into Kingston, and that's where we start the aging process. 
And we age in number one select once-use bourbon barrels, which are the most expensive mm -hmm. barrels in the industry. And it's then that this magical transformation takes place, where the rum moves from a colorless spirit to a golden spirit, developing beautiful vanilla, coffee, cocoa, hazelnut, butterscotch, almond notes as the rum ages. And it's that vanilla production during aging that makes the rum so smooth and mellow. So the older the rum, the more vanilla that is created. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you have this this bur these bourbon barrels. By the way, these are made of oak. Is there is there yes. a particular yes. oak mm -hmm. from? Okay, great. And then when does the when does the blending occur? Is that something that occurs after they've aged in the barrels? So when we age the rums, you now for different periods of time, we then come to the final part of the process, the blending, and this is where we know. Combine art and science. So this is where we know combine different pot still rums, different percentages, different ages, with different column still rums, different percentages, different ages, to create those beautiful flavors that we have in the Appleton Estate range. That's fabulous. Oh wow! So so many. There's so many interesting and intricate steps along the way. I want to I want to back up to the beginning and talk about the varieties of sugarcane. So you said that you had multiple varieties. Mm -hmm. Are these fermented together or are they fermented um, kind of as single species at a time? No, they're fermented together. Okay, okay, cool. Um, and then let's talk a little bit more about what what do you mean by the pot still? I, I mean, when I think of small batch anything, I'm thinking small like, you know, in my hands kind of a small batch but actually these are not small no. these are huge pots so can you describe that process a okay so a copper yeah. pot sales um consists of the copper pot kettle which holds five thousand gallons five thousand gallons that's that's right that's big <laughs> then when the fermented molasses is placed into that the it's heated up by steam and so the alcohol is vaporized and so the first set of vapors come off into what we call the low wine retort at about 30% alcohol by volume. Then the low wine retort is heated up and vapors come off again into the next section, which is known as a high wine retort. And there we now have an alcohol concentration of about 70%. Again, that's heated up and you have final vapors coming off, which is vapors of rum, which goes into a condenser and then that's, so the vapors are condensed to a liquid rum at 86%. Okay. Okay. Wow. And when you talk about these columns, what are the columns? How does that relate to the pot? Okay. So the column still is a different process. It is a continuous process. Whereas mm -hmm. a pot still is a batch by batch. So in the pot still distillation, a batch is completed in five hours and then you have to start the process again. Whereas with the column still, once you start, you don't stop until you have completed the production volumes that you want. And it's really consists of three columns. So the first column, you would introduce the fermented molasses. Then the next column would strip the alcohol from mm -hmm. the fermented molasses. And we call that purification. And then the final column, which is known as a rectifier, that's where you collect your rum. And in that rectifier, you have different trays. And so you can um, actually get product from different levels as you go up the column still. The lower down you are, the more flavors you're getting, and of course, the lower alcoholic strength. So if you go to the very top tray, you're getting a product almost equivalent to pure alcohol and at like 96%. Wow. 
Oh, wow. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right. So we have this alcohol. It goes into the, these once used bourbon barrels oh, for nice. aging. And let's, let's talk a bit about this aging process. I had the opportunity a number of years ago to visit um, Highland Park Distillery on Orkney um, in the northern coast of Scotland, where they're, they're, you know, they have barrels of whiskey. And I remember them talking about how with the cold temperatures, you don't lose a lot of the alcohol, but Jamaica is not cool. <laughs> and I'm wondering how much, how much alcohol is lost during the aging process. And, and I believe is, am I right in saying that's called the angel share? Like, what mm -hmm. is that all about? <laughs> okay. So first of all, the type of aging that takes place here in Jamaica is known as tropical aging. So mm -hmm. our rums age three times as fast as it would in a cooler climate such as Scotland. Mm -hmm. And so we have that advantage where our 12-year-old rum, for example, would have to be aging for 36 years in Scotland to get that same flavor development. Wow. And this has been proven scientifically by the Scotch Whiskey Institute, incidentally. <laughs> but we age at 80% alcohol by volume, which is a much higher strength than what they, they would age at in whiskey. And because it's very hot and humid, we do have a very high evaporation loss which in the industry is known as the angel's share, but in Jamaica, we call it the duppy share. Oh, the duppy. Oh, I love this. So I brought back home a bottle of duppy sauce for my husband. And this is uh, for the audience. Can you explain what a duppy is? A so duppy is a spirit or a ghost. So we refer to a spirit or a ghost as a duppy. So because we're losing so much rum, they say that the duppies know where good rum is. And so they go into the warehouse and take it all out. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. It's the ghost share. The spirits the are drinking the spirits. So Very we nice. lose an average of 6% per annum because of mm -hmm. the high alcoholic strength and the temperatures at which we age. Whereas in Scotland, their average loss per year is about 2%. Wow. That is a big difference. So really, when you talk about an eight-year-old rum, that's very different in terms of actual aging in an eight-year-old scotch because yes. of the temperature differences. Okay. Because I remember I mentioned that vanilla production. Mm -hmm. So if you were to look at an eight-year-old scotch, the taste will be equivalent to like a three-year-old rum. Okay. Mm -hmm. that's, that's fascinating. Because it doesn't have the vanilla production as yet, as you would say, you know, eight-year-old rum and all the other flavors that are created during that process. That's great. So one other thing that I that if I'm if I'm remembering correctly from our tour, which was a fabulous tour, by the way, for any of you that are listening, that are considering a trip to Jamaica. This is something you have to do. It's a lot of fun to see the whole process and visit this a huge, huge warehouse full of, of, of barrels that are aging. Um, and of course, you get to taste some some really nice rums while you're there. Um, but one of the things I, I recall from the tour is about how how bottles are named. So am I am I correct in remembering that if you have an eight year old bottle, it can't have anything younger than eight years old in that bottle when you blend? Correct, because we mm -hmm. adhere to the minimum age system. So when you see this eight on our package, the youngest rum in this blend had to sit in the barrel for a minimum of eight years. We can have rums older, but the youngest is what is declared on the label. Okay, great. So what's the biggest age span that you've ever mixed, Joy? Have you ever played around with just mixing a, a really old one with a very young one before? Yeah, well, the oldest rum we had, uh, minimum age, was a 50-year-old. Wow. Yes, which we um, blended and 
bottle to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Jamaica's independence. That's great. That's great. So when you are blending, can you walk us through that process of what types of characteristics are you looking for when you're blending a new rum? It depends on the expression that we are blending. So, you know, we're starting from scratch from R&D, research and development. We will get a guideline as to the taste profile that we want in the final blend. Then based on that, I would now select the specific rums that when blended together would create these flavor profiles. So of course, you, you know, would create several prototypes. Then we go through the testing of the proto prototypes and then select which one is closest to what we want in the market. That's great. And so for, for detection of these volatile compounds, I mean, in the industry, are, are folks using tools like GC mass spec or HPLC or how, what types of chemical tools are being applied to the subject? Because I, I mean, I know there are a lot of chemistry grad students that listen to the show um, that would probably be very interested in seeing how they could apply their skills maybe in the industry in the future. Okay, so first of all, basic analysis, starting from distillation right through to um, the end of aging is, you know, every rum has a GC profile. Okay, okay. so we're looking at the aldehydes, we're looking at um, the esters and high alcohols. And so we have an up, low and upper limit for each of those components for each expression. And then now for detailed analysis, we use the GCMS because we're looking at the what we call fatty acid productions during aging, mm -hmm. vanilla um, um, creation, and other flavors such as, you know, beautiful almond and spicy notes. So the GCMS now gives you the, 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 the more detailed breakdown because on the GC, it just gives you what we call the top level analysis. And then the GCMS now breaks it down in more details, you know, into your long chain fatty acids, et cetera. That's great. So that's, that's really cool to see. So GCMS for the non-chemists in the audience is gas chromatography, mass spectrometry. And this is a type of chemistry tool that we can use to basically inject um, and analyze different um, substances to look at their volatile or kind of some of the compounds that have certain aromas um, to look at what diversity of compounds are there. That's really exciting. So, so Joy, what have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in the industry? I mean, this is all fascinating. What or what are some of the biggest adventures you've had? I'm just curious about this, your whole career trajectory. You know, I am also the global ambassador. And so touring the world, I've had so many wonderful experiences. And I, you know, I think one of them that actually tops the list for me is actually taking a helicopter and landing on a glacier in New Zealand. Wow. And then drinking Appleton Estate with the glacial ice. It, it was just an unforgettable moment. That's amazing. I, I think that's something not most of us get to try. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yes. Not many people get to try that. So I had, you know, so many wonderful experiences all over the world. It's, you know, it's, it's really has been an amazing journey for me. So it's not just from the science aspect, but just, you know, the cultural aspect, just, you know, exploring different cultures and see how people enjoy Appleton Estate. That's great. And so what is what does the industry look like um, for future master blenders? Is there a sort of apprenticeship program or how does one become trained in the in this special art of, of blending? You see, unlike whiskey, where you have a Scotch Whiskey Institute and people 
one learn how to make scotch. The rum industry is still very private and you learn QBE on the job. So, you know, persons okay. are selected in the company and they know, you know, you act as a mentor for those persons coming up, training them and teaching them all the little nuances in rum um, manufacturing and blending. And so everything is done on the job. Okay. Well, that's great. So hands-on, hands-on training and learning in that sense. And the important thing is that you have to have a degree in chemistry or biochemistry. That's the starting point. Of course. Yeah. And excellent sensory skills. <laughs> and I would also say that since, um, let's say the late 1990s, the master blender was, is now more of an ambassador and a spokesperson. So you have to have a little PR savvy with also before they used to just stay in a little room and would do their blending, no contact with the outside world. But no, that has changed significantly. Yeah, so you no, absolutely. You can't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of scientists are very shy, you know. So <laughs> yes, yes. No, that's it's really good to point out. So you have to be comfortable both in the chemistry side and the adventuresome uh helicopter flying. <laughs> And PR side. That's and great. PR side. <laughs> the whole package, no. Yeah, that's fabulous. That's fabulous. And so um, I'm wondering, like, where do you see the future of the rum industry going? Do you see it kind of um, expanding or, or um, I don't know, where do you see things going for the rum industry in general? The premium aid rum category is a rising star and there is a whole transition now from standard rums into premium age rums and consumers are now understanding and appreciating that you can enjoy rums the same way you would a fine single malt or a cognac or a bourbon. And so all eyes now are on the premium age rum category. And the minute that we come out with a, a limited time offering with an age statement, you know, it's sold within weeks because, wow. you know, Yes, all the connoisseurs and the, the spirit um, connoisseurs and rum geeks are just looking forward to the next expression, the next expression, the next expression. And so we are actually doing a lot of consumer education, teaching the consumers that this is what premium age rum is all about. Rums that are extremely versatile, you can still have them in what we call very exquisite cocktails or just simply having meat. As a neat sipping cocktail. Okay, so this is a good question. I, I wish I had a bottle with me right now to like do a little rum taste. I should have thought about this before the interview. But let's pretend that you're giving me a lesson on how to really differentiate between different quality rums. Let's say I have a, a very clear coconut rum that would go mm -hmm. into like a pineapple and, and mm -hmm. you know, uh, juice. And then maybe some different variations of darker rums. Mm -hmm. If I'm learning how to sip and taste and use my senses, like what what sorts of things do I need to look for when I'm trying to compare this this spectrum of different rums? Okay, so for the premium age rum, the first thing you would do is to actually examine the rum for its beautiful golden color okay. and clarity, you know, showing that the rum has been finely processed. Then importantly, there is a green ring of aging right on the surface of the liquid. Okay. And this is created as a result of the tannins being extracted from the oak. So the older the rum, the more pronounced is this green ring. Then you determine the body of the rum by simply leaning it 
bring it back to an upright position and wait a while. And you will notice beautiful thick syrupy legs forming on the sides, moving very slowly down, indicating okay. that this is a very rich full-bodied rum. The standard rums, on the other hand, are light-bodied, and so the legs, legs will be thin and move very quickly down the sides. So you can actually use this to determine the body of your rum. Determine what is, you know, if it's a light bodied or full bodied. But if you're looking at a premium age rum, it's full bodied. Okay, so, so we'll the, the color, the green ring, and the body. That's great. So now we're, yes. Go ahead. Oh, that was great. That was great. So my, my question was when you talk about legs, if you're tipping the glass mm -hmm. and you, and after you kind of sit it straight up again, the legs are the liquid that's kind of coming down the glass. Coming down the, the sides. Okay, down the sides. And the slower it moves, the more more body the older, of the, room, the more richer, body. The older okay. the room, the richer the body. Okay, great. Then now we're going to look at the aromas. And I'm actually looking at the eight-year-old reserve. So the first set of aromas we'll be looking at is the natural aromas by simply inhaling, exhaling, and putting the glass to your nose, not swirling it, just putting it to your nose. And you're now going to get that powerful orange peel top note, which is a hallmark of the Appleton Estate range. And this orange peel top note is created during the pot still distillation because our copper pot stills are uniquely designed for us in Scotland. And because of the design and it's made of 100% copper, it creates this orange peel top note in the Appleton Estate range. So with this, you're getting just a little bit of molasses wrapped with our distinctive orange peel. Now we're going to swirl, and as I like to say, release the Appleton spirit. And this is where we're now getting beautiful spicy fruit, hints of honey, vanilla, holiday spice, and subtle oak. Wow. Beautiful complex aromas. Now, this rum is very um, versatile in that you can just have it neat, as we're going to look at now or in what we call a very elegant cocktail. So simply just take a sip and we note the finish. Mm-hmm. And this is exceptionally smooth with hints of molasses and oak. Absolutely yes. delicious. That's fabulous. And you mentioned tannins um, in that kind of top ring. Mm -hmm. Tannins can have a, if you have very high tannins in, in a food, you can feel a, almost a sort of a stringency. Do the tannins Str elicit kind of a, a, of a, of a mouthfeel? Does that contribute to the mouthfeel? Yes, you can get that astringency. Tannins have a very unique mm -hmm. uh, mouthfeel. That's great. And the older the rum, the more tannins, the more oak that is extracted. So mm -hmm. you have much more oaky notes coming out in the older rums. That's fabulous. Wow. So this is my challenge to all the listeners who have a nice uh, aged rum collection at home. Maybe a nice bottle of Appleton is after listening to this episode when you're safely at home <laughs> is maybe maybe try this out. Maybe tip over your cup, look at those legs and really pay attention to those incredible aromas, both still and then after swirling and then the mouthfeel um, to see how much of the chemistry um, or shifts in chemistry you can detect in your own rums at home. Yeah, fabulous. Well, Joy, is there anything else you'd like to share with us about about your journey um, as as a master blender, as a distiller? Like, yes, I just like to say to females in particular who you know who want to become a master blender or a master distiller, 
you're going to have challenges along the way as a woman, but ignore it. Um, focus on your craft, focus on your passion, remain humble, and you'll be successful. Life is filled with ups and downs, and you just have to use it as a learning process and a disappointment. Use it for improvement, and the world is your oyster. So as I said, just be passionate about your craft, remain humble, and of course, act as a sponge for knowledge. You, you'll never ever know everything. You know, a lot of persons believe because I've been in the industry over 40 years that I know everything. I'm still learning. You'll always learn. And your benchmark, I love to benchmark with Scotch and Bourbon because there are lots of similarities to see what's new that they're doing, you know, mm -hmm. in, in, in their side of the world. So, you know, always be intrigued by new developments, research and development, and be a sponge <laughs> for knowledge. <laughs> That's fabulous advice. I think that can that can apply to women in science across many, many different disciplines. So thank you for that. Um, that's fabulous. Well, thanks so much, Joy, for coming on the show. And it's been a real pleasure. And uh, I'm definitely going to be dipping into a nice eight-year-old <laughs> as soon as I get home. <laughs> Please try. And thanks again for having me. And hi, everyone. And bye from Jamaica. One love. <laughs> One love. Thank and you. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. You, you've been listening to Foodie Pharmacology, the science podcast for the food curious, recorded to you, for you today on Restream. I want to thank our producers, Sir Rob Cohen and Christine Roth of Co Conspiracy Entertainment, for bringing this together today. And thank you to you, our loyal listeners, for tuning in each week to learn more about the science and culture behind our foods. Thanks so much for listening. Stay healthy out there and I'll see you next time.